Okay, we're each going to introduce ourselves real quick and then we'll get started answering some questions. Sound good? Um, My name's Mandy Sisko. I'm Mary Delance Sisko, the one in the brown shirt earlier, and we just started here at Watermark in January um, working with the, let me say it right, newly married um, foundation group leaders and that kind of thing. And we have four kiddos. Um, Our oldest is six and our youngest is one. So Allie Grace is um, six and just started kindergarten this year, and Caleb is five. So um, that's a real fun story. If you have your baby and at, when your baby's three months, you find out you're pregnant again, <laughs> you can email me and I'll cry with you. And, and then we'll talk about how God is good and faithful and it will be fine. Um, and then we decided to, well, to heck with that. If we're going to have babies that close together, we might as well have number three and finish it off. So we had another um, boy and he's three now. And then um, we were using birth control, and I got pregnant with number four. So if that happens to you later, you can come talk to me about that, too, because we'll have a good cry together and talk about how God is good and faithful. And and now we've, like, really taken care of the birth control thing, like, officially taken care of it, and I expect to be pregnant next year because he does his own thing. I think that was all I was going to share, and then I, I did teach school before I before starting our little family, So and just so you know where we came from before we had number one. Well, and then also each one of us have unique experiences, so one of your child... Oh, yeah, and um, Caleb number two, which also made it fun that they were so close to that three-month-old, you know, pregnant all the way through, and then um, Caleb ended up having a heart defect upon birth, and it was not... We didn't know about it. We found out when he was two days old, and we spent quite a bit of time in the NICU um, at Presby Hospital and at Children's here in Dallas, and that's when we lived in Tyler. So that's a fun story about living in a hotel room for months at a time and going back and forth every four hours to feed your infant while you have a one-year-old. Just kind of a crazy experience. And so um, if anybody knows of anything, any reason why you might have to be in the NICU for a long stay, then I'd love to share my experience with you. Or our email addresses are on that sheet mm-hmm. of paper. If that just happens to be your story, then I would love to walk alongside you with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because God is good and God is faithful and he um, saw us through that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he'll see you through that time if that happens to be your story too. So, um, And just to add, Lance was at um, Pine Cove before yes. he came here. So they have they've lived in three different houses in the last six months <laughs> and just last Saturday moved into their own. So Mandy's up to here still in boxes. <laughs> um, I'm Kristen Kadersha. I'm Scott's wife and probably most of you or at least some of you have been through were through pre-married class before you got to this stage and so um, and I don't know what he's wearing this morning because I don't even remember like that. I haven't, I saw him for a few minutes but I don't remember what he was wearing. But anyways, um, I've been at. I literally just pulled in downstairs at 11:43 and told my four boys to run out of the car and go basically check themselves into childcare downstairs. So um, I have four boys. Um, my first were twins. So anybody? I think there's one person with multiples in here. Very fun. Um, and then so they are about to be eight. They're in second grade. And I have a just turned. Well, not just. I have a five-year-old, and I have a three-year-old. So we've fairly close together, but um, space just enough apart to maybe keep my sanity. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, And I am a physical therapist, which I was full-time, and then I kind of dabble in it right now just to keep my license and my 
brain going. Um, and yeah, so I guess my unique is that I've got twins and all boys. I couldn't couldn't tell you what to do with a girl if I had to. So. <laughs> And my name is Sheila Silver. I um, have been going to Watermark, gosh, I think since 2005, and I um, have been introduced basically as a lay leader for Transparent. It's just, um, it's a great place to just love on people, and it's, I have a heart for you guys and just the sweet babies that are growing inside of you. So I've been a lay leader for Transparent for about a year now. Um, I have two boys. My eldest is three, which I am shocked that it's three years now. I feel like it was just the other day I was sitting with Sarah Crotty in square one. So, And then we have a five-month-old. So my husband is not up here because he is at home watching our boys and just the craziness of that. You know, a few minutes ago while Callie and them were talking, I was upstairs pumping. So it's just the way that you, you get through life um, at that stage. Um, my probably, you know, just a little bit unique experience is just that um, Kate, our oldest, had severe colic and acid reflux for the first three months and um, was really hard. And um, then Cole, who is five months old, has just been a breeze. He sleeps well. He eats well. It is night and day different. Um, and that just goes to show you that probably every one of you will have a little bit different experience. No baby is the same. Every baby is different. They have their own personality and their own little quirks and idiosyncrasies. And, and it's just fun to figure that out. Uh, let's see, before I was in corporate sales for about 10 years and then um, worked for the Salvation Army for about three years um, just in the nonprofit side before I became a stay-at-home mom. I think that's it. Okay. And um, we got a couple questions that we'll just start with the ones that got written down and then we'll open it up if you think of something from the floor that we can answer. But um, to go off what you said, I got this question right here. This might be a good one for you. What is your advice for moms transitioning from full-time to staying at home financially and emotionally? Um, you know, I think for us, we, Ryan and I, when we first got married, we went to um, foundation group. So if you guys go to Watermark, you're probably familiar with it, but it's a community group for newly married couples. And when we went through that, um, we knew that we wanted to have kids, and pretty much about the time that we got pregnant was in the middle of foundation group when we were going through money-wise. And that's just kind of going through your finances as a couple. And we immediately started to take a look at what would our budget be like on one income. So we stopped looking at my income. We started looking at his income. And before we ever had baby, we started to try and live on it. Because we knew that more than likely we were not going to be perfect and successful those first few months, and we still had my income to fall back on. So we started to put it into savings and pretend that it wasn't there, but those months that we weren't quite good yet, we were able to pull from it and have that safety net. So by the time baby came, we were ready. We actually did the same thing, too. We lived off one income for a few months before baby came. Mm -hmm. and we, I never, sorry, we never had two incomes just because of the way everything happened with us, so... Well, we had two incomes for about six months. We got married, and Scott decided he was going to go into ministry and to seminary. And so we moved here. I worked full-time. Two years later, we had twins. Scott went. Scott's also a physical therapist. So he went back to work as a PT, 20 hours a week, full-time seminary. And then we kind of did this rotation in and out of part-time PT and full-time something. Like, it was mm -hmm. just so I highly recommend, though, that you just, as soon as you can, live on one salary financially. Yep. Y'all became the experts at it, huh? Um, and then as far as emotionally, um, Psalm 16, 5 and 6, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I just think, um, I know for me, 
I loved being a stay-at-home mom, and there's something about teaching that transfers into parenting really mm-hmm. easily, so that was kind of um, not as hard of a transition for me. can't hardly see you down there. <laughs> um, but um, for anybody that's going from full-time work to this, it can be kind of an isolating period for you where you're used to being around other people. You're used to people noticing your work. That's the, probably the mm-hmm. biggest difference for me is I was like, I work my butt off mm-hmm. all day long, and nobody sees it. and no <laughs> Nobody thanks you. Nobody says thank you. Nobody... <laughs> You know, it's just a baby that stares at you or smiles at you or whatever. And so I had a hard time realizing that I was doing my work for the Lord. And, um, and I was doing my work out of love for my child. And I don't have to have somebody's kudos. Um, I don't have to earn those kudos from anybody to feel good about the job that I do or to be proud of what I'm doing as a mom. Um, but in saying that... Watermark's real big about living in community, and there's tons of opportunities like Square One, Mm -hmm. building blocks, and all those things for young moms to go and get involved and schedule play dates. If you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling lonely, Mm -hmm. then that's when you reach out to other people or you invite them into your home. Mm -hmm. Hey, bring your baby over. Put him down for a nap in the pack and play in my bedroom, Mm -hmm. and I'll put mine down for a nap, and let's have coffee or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, pray together and lift each other up and encourage one another. If you have the opportunity to go back and visit with your work friends and show off your baby and just do things to stay connected, um, and some of you, depending on what your profession is, in the long run, you may have the opportunity. Like, I could go back to work for 10 hours a month and and still be able to kind of use those brain cells to do other things. Um, But it helps, I think, most of all, is just to find other people in your same life stage, and that way you have the support, and you can cry and vent and, and then move on and realize... Um, that what you're doing is really, I mean, one, your calling and your gift from the, from the Lord to you and that you know, he, he will prepare you for every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would just add about the square one. That was my kind of outlet. Square one, if, if you guys haven't heard the explanation of it, basically it's a ministry now that was seven weeks. And how many is it now? It's eight weeks. It's an eight-week series. Thursday morning still. Is it 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock. Um, you'll check on Watermark um, website and it will tell you when the next class starts. Start, you know, as soon as you feel ready, as soon as you can, but the earlier the better because it's a seven or eight week series that goes over different topics from taking care of yourself to taking care of baby to keeping your marriage alive to sex. I mean, it's just all of the runs the gamut and you sit. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been three years, but you sit in this room with other women on the floor with your babies, either holding them or nursing them or um, they're playing on the blanket. There's always um, bleeders there that Sarah Crotty, who is a lactation consultant, she's there every week. She's there to help you kind of with your breastfeeding and everybody's sitting in there doing it. So it's, I mean, it's not a big deal to pull your boob out and nurse basically but you know and there's always someone who's dealt with colic or always somebody who's dealt with whatever that is and then those moms transition to your play group I still meet with the same women three years later so that is just a great place to kind of find those friends that aren't working as well and has kind of the same you know schedule as you and too I was thinking um on the financial side of things we have to get really creative at our house about things like that and Lance laughs at me because I'm always doing something to make money and he doesn't know how I'm quite doing that (laughs) but um, I got really involved in a consignment sale in Tyler and I sell all of our old toys and all of our old clothes all the time and he's just amazed at how much money I come home with and then it 
it really supplies the money to buy the clothes for the next season mm-hmm. for every child almost mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Instead of pitching it to Goodwill, I just do that, and that helps financially with our clothes. Um, mm-hmm. I work like five hours a month maybe for my dad, which isn't much money, but in the end, you know, it's a little bit of extra cash every month that can go toward towards a date night or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then most recently I just, you know, started my own cake business and he's like laughing. Anyways, I'm always doing that. I'm like, I, I have two hands and I have a house and what can I do? What is my gifting? How has God wired me mm-hmm. where I can still do something to make a little bit of extra cash? Not everybody's wired like that. I tried the consignment thing and I thought, this is for the birds. Like, this is more work than it's worth. But I have lots of friends that do and make tons of money doing it, and it does. It supplies the next season. And um, you want to go to the next question? Yeah. And this one says advice on how to pursue intimacy in those early weeks or even late pregnancy when my husband really wants me to be interested and it's hard. I'm definitely willing, just feeling enormous and decidedly not sexy. Mm. And my first thought when I read that was, you are his sexy, believe me. Um, and I, I know, you wait till you're pregnant with your fourth one, you're a real boat then. And <laughs> it just gets, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. But, um, but that's, I feel like that's what, um, what has been conveyed to me through Lance is you don't, you don't understand. Like your body can change and you can feel not sexy, but you, you're my picture of sexy. Um, no matter what and that's ultimately a really good thing because we don't I mean think of yourself when you're 80 you still want to be his vision of sexy and so um, if you're feeling that way to make sure to communicate like I need to hear you say it and I need to I need to know you mean it and um, and so um, it might help just to convey that message to your husband like I just want to hear you know I need to hear it often mm-hmm. and I need to hear it repeatedly and um, and it will begin to sink in <laughs> a little bit more mm-hmm. I think um, and uh, this question whoever wrote that said you know I'm willing it's just whole, the whole thought process but I think you know like even now prayer just for yourself um, not to be kind of taken over by kind of the body image and how much I've changed and um, but just remember, like, you're his only outlet, like, just to preserve your marriage and to allow him to feel secure and not to um, just kind of make his struggle with lust more difficult. Um, just, you know, just be creative. Like, it doesn't, it won't look the same as it used to, believe me. Like, there's just, you know, you may need to be more flexible, be more spontaneous. You know, the baby's down for what might be a 30-minute nap. You know, I'm sure your husband would be happy with what we would say a quickie, mm-hmm. um, or you know, just kind of figure out different ways to do it. And and it was hard. Like I remember times with it wasn't with our first two, I don't think, but later on, like literally the baby's asleep in the bouncy seat, not four feet from us. And you know, my husband's like, "Come on, hurry, quick!" And I'm like, "We might wake the baby," you know. But like they don't care, you know. So sometimes you just need to like forsake. Yeah. Not forsake the child, but, you know, just mm-hmm. think, okay, if we wake the baby, and the baby's not going to be damaged by this, like, if he's in the same room, it'll be all right. So, but just being willing, um, I think it's First Corinthians seven thirteen, maybe, that just says your body is not your own, and um, that, you know, yes, there will be a season where you will be told you cannot, you know, have intercourse, um, but just other ways that um, would just help your husband feel... Mm-hmm. 
loved, cared for, respected. Um, so just be, like I said, be willing. Yeah, I, I think you can you can laugh at the the craziness that your life becomes, and we more than likely all have a similar story. You know, with me, I had a C-section both times. Um, so yeah, so you got to wait, you know, at least six weeks, depending on how your incision is and that kind of stuff. And just knowing I wanted to serve and love my husband well, we we had to be creative. And same type of thing, you know, our three-year-old was asleep, and the baby was in the bassinet two feet away. But we got creative, and we laugh about it now. And you know what? It's just it's a bonding thing that, you know, you just laugh, and, and you take care of it, and you love each other. And, and um, just a sweet, sweet time to kind of go through that. Um, body image-wise, I personally have struggled with body image, so I just want to give you a couple of scriptures for body image if anybody kind of struggles with that. Um, Proverbs 31, 30 through 31. Uh, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. And then the last one, which is my favorite, is First Peter 3, 3 through 4. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So just as you struggle with body image, your body not kind of going back exactly the way it was or taking a little bit of time, just remind yourself that this process is a God-given gift. This is exactly how your body's supposed to respond. You're, you are your, your husband's sexy, and it will all come back. But the way your body is is the way God wanted you to be in every phase and in every stage. And just, um, just praise that. And I think just the being available part, I'm just learning this. We've been married almost 10 years, and I'm, I just had the thought the other day, like, the house doesn't have to be picked up for my man, and the kids don't have to be, like, you know, little angels that greet him at the door, but he does want me to be his girlfriend when I walk in the door. Mm. Like, if there was nothing else that went right in our day, like, when he comes home from work, he just wants to know that, like, I'm his girlfriend. And for whatever reason, the girlfriend phrase is really sticking with me more than, like, a million other things that people have been telling me. Do this for your husband or do that for your husband. Like, just, like, I just think back to those days when we were dating when, like, we couldn't wait to, you know, get to each other and touch each other and hug each other and hold each other. And, like, that's really all he wants. And if I can do that, then I can be like, I don't know what's for dinner. Can we go out? Or, <laughs> or yeah, the kids all need baths and whatever. But he's like, well, we just, you know, had a really good kiss when we walked in the door. So whatever, babe. Um, and so it may just be your frame of mind and changing it up. And then the other thing I thought about is, I'm totally a sex in the morning kind of girl. So you just got to figure out what works for you. He doesn't care probably. If you, uh, I, I suspect that most men will take it whenever they can get it. And so if you just got to think of like what works for you. When are you awake? When are you um, not exhausted? When just what? And even if it's weird or whatever, you know, just. For me, I'm like, it's just got to happen in the morning because at night I'm just like done. <laughs> done. So you might have to change it up. It's just going to look different. That's okay. I think the last quick thing on this is just communicate. Like, So there are going to be times where like, it may be painful after you've had a baby or things feel totally different and what used to work doesn't work the same way. And so you, you've just got to be open and communicating that with your husband. And you know, sometimes you may just need to say, hey, you know, they're very sensitive. They don't want to be rejected, but, um, you know, not tonight, but maybe how about in the morning? Like, and then just stick to that promise, you know, so don't make it a 
sorry, I don't feel like it and I'm not in the mood and this isn't fun anymore, but, you know, let me kind of get my mind going and I promise first thing in the morning or, you know, first thing when you get home from work tomorrow. So just, but be willing to, to share what's going on in your body because they, they don't get it. They never will get it. But if you don't tell them, they can't even come close to figuring it out. Um, what other parenting classes are at Watermark? I think we've talked about some of that, but there's square one is probably the key one for where you all right now are right now. Um, there's a dad's class, which is in different times of the year. It doesn't run year through. Um, and then I think, you know, you've done foundation groups, so <laughs> just being in community. Um, and a lot of people, I think, that come to Watermark, like a lot of people show up, I think, at square one that are not from Watermark, that just come because they've got friends that have new babies and they get invited, and it's a great place to find community if you connect with some of those girls and then get your husbands together, and there may be opportunities there. Mm-hmm. And then, because I think this person wrote those two things. Are there okay. any more other than that one? There's building oh. blocks. And then there's building blocks. Yeah. Building, building blocks, blocks is, the sec- is the next stage. So square one is um, those kind of newborn time and then when you're done with square one building blocks is once a month they alternate between whether it's going to be on a Thursday morning or a Friday morning it's usually I think 10 to 11:30, I think something like that um, if you'll go to the watermark website and sign up for the building blocks emails then they will email you when the next one comes up who the speaker is and what the subject is and there is child care provided, but if you've got a newborn that's with you and you're nursing, bring them with you. I, I bring Cole with me because he's still nursing. Um, and they provide food and drinks, and they always have just great talks. Yeah, so it's all, you know, what to do in your marriage or discipline or, mm-hmm. you know, how to, um, you know, scripture memory for you and for your kids. So it, kind of, yeah. it runs the whole gamut. And you can actually listen to any of the talks from the past online, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Callie and Ryan, yeah, we're going to have to ask. Callie and Ryan talked about the Bradley method, so we'll have to ask, we'll have to email whoever this is if you want to come up afterwards, or we can figure out um, Yeah, and, uh, website. The only thing I, what it looks like is I know that Callie is um, training to be a doula, and she um, has a lot of knowledge and information about natural childbirth. There's Lamaze used to be the way that everybody um, kind of went through the natural childbirth. Bradley method is if I'm correct, is a an, is an method now, and I think that's what she focuses on. So that particular part that she talked about is that's a method of natural childbirth, um, and she's a great resource because she's and trained her, to be a doula as well. Her email was Callie Nixon at Gmail. So you could just email her probably and sign up. Yeah, she'd love to share with you. Did everybody hear that? Okay. Right. Especially because that epidural may not come right when you mm-hmm. want it to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's yes. busy. He'll Have be a plan, but be okay with <laughs> the plan changing. Did he get unbusy? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. This one that I have says, if you're planning on staying home, what should your expectations be in regards to your husband helping at night, mornings, etc.? My mind thinks I'm not working. He is, so I should do all the nights. Is that realistic? Um, I would say... You first need to take a look at your personal um, situation and experience. Um, you are working. It is one of the hardest jobs that you'll ever do because you don't get to take a nece- necessarily a lunch break. You don't get to go to the bathroom by yourself. You know, once you have babies, they're right there with you. Or once you have toddlers, they're right there with you. So you are working, and it is a long hours, and it is 
not just the day, but into the night. So to say that you're not working, I would tell yourself you are working. It does look different. Um, you can work in your pajamas now, <laughs> but it looks different. My husband is a pilot, um, so he's gone three or four days in a row, and then he's home three or four days in a row. So for us, we um, when he's home, he would help out absolutely as much as he could. He would get up um, and get the baby, change the baby, diaper and then bring Kate or Cole to me and I would nurse and he would go back to sleep. That was kind of our routine because he was involved and participating and felt part of it um, and we were both kind of a team and it felt really good that I was not alone. I needed that, especially when Callie talks about those hormone levels. I did. I needed to feel that we were a team and we were not alone so he helped me. But we had an agreement that the night before he went on a trip, because he flies a.m., so he typically gets up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he has to be at the airport by 4 a.m. So the night before a trip, he doesn't do anything. He goes to bed when he needs to, usually 7, 8 o'clock, and I would take all of the night shifts. And, and we just kind of had that agreement for us. And I don't know if you guys had any other experience with that. I'll just say it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Nobody can spell that out for you because you and your husband are completely different than anybody else's couple. And then your baby is completely different. Babies that have colic are going to be different than babies that don't. Babies that are feeding every two and a half hours versus babies that are feeding every four hours. Some moms might be able to handle because they're, they're going every four hours. It's not a big deal. Well, your friend over here, their baby's only going two and a half hours and you're exhausted because you got up twice as many times as she did. It's just, it's kind of hard to say. you got to kind of play it out. And for us, with every kid, every time, it looked different. And and, it, and we just had to communicate about it. Like, we, you know, the next, we tried something for two or three days, and I'd be like, that does not work. we got to find something else, you know. And, um, and we'd try something else until we get through it. The good thing is, is that at some point, your baby sleeps through the night. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and that looks different for everybody, too, but they won't be 16 and still waking you up every four hours. So that's a good yeah. thing. You'll be waiting up until they get home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the other way yeah. around. Yeah, the first night, the first time they sleep through the night, you'll wake yeah. up and go, oh, my gosh, what time is it? And then you go in and check and see if they're breathing and you're good, and then you celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think for for us, with um, since we had twins first and we had one that was colicky, my mom lived with us in our rather small house for the first six weeks and so like I said Scott was full-time seminary at doing Greek or Hebrew at something at the time and working part-time and so we kind of got into this routine especially my mom was there she was the one that would get up diaper whoever screaming crying and and then she was the one we, we joke but she literally saved one of our twins lives because I'm not sure that with colic that we could have managed uh, without an extra pair of hands for the first couple of weeks but she would stay up and rock him to sleep and bounce him and do all that kind of stuff and so that was so helpful and great but I think we kind of got into this um, I didn't give Scott enough things to do any at any time of the day because I was protecting his time and you know trying to be respectful of, of what he was trying to get done as well um, so I'd say I think again communication is different in every stage it's been different with the other pregnancies but um, just making sure that they are involved and that they feel like they are contributing um, in whatever way they would like to and in whatever way you need them to and even if you feel like you want to give your husband you know good rest so that he can go to work and function the way he needs to there may be like okay like just tonight I just need I just need you give me one night like mm -hmm. <laughs> if you could take it tonight then I will get refreshed and build back up and that's going to help your sex life too to be honest because mm -hmm. 
a well-rested mama likes to have sex. Did we cover everybody else? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, what about from the floor? Yeah. 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 So, well, what type of advice are you looking for, like as far as childcare goes or? Yeah, I think um, all three of us are stay-at-home moms, so our experience is going to be different. I do have a, a mom from one of my square one groups that she did go back to work. And I know that some of the things that they had to process through is, do you want to do a, um, some kind of daycare, childcare? Do you want to try and have an at-home nanny? So you need to talk about, you know, what what do you want for your child and what do you want for your family? What can you financially do? So start researching that now because with, with them, they chose to have someone in their home. And there's a whole other deal with that because you want to have a contract with them or if it's not family, if you're actually hiring them and you know, want to do background checks and things of that nature that's different than going to a facility who's already done that for you. So I know that they walked through that process. Um, as far as the workload, I think that's going to have to be something that you guys you know, talk with each other on, okay, do you have meetings tomorrow? Do you, can you go in late and work late? You know, that whole thing. If you want to go to building blocks, could you go in at 11 and work till 8 or whatever, you know, is your work flexible in that way so you can somehow participate in some of that stuff. And the good thing is, is that you do have the 12-week leave. Yeah. All of my kids were sleeping through the night by 12 weeks, mm. so it's possible. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I worked really hard at it, girls. <laughs> Remember I had a one-year-old and a baby. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's possible that when you go back to work that those really late crazy nights are mm-hmm. less than far you know are mm-hmm. few between mm-hmm. far and few far and few far. between thanks <laughs> yeah sure. um so it's possible that by the time you go back to work you're not having as crazy a nights as you were before so mm-hmm. that may not even be an issue mm-hmm. um and if it is that's when the communication starts like okay this is hard this mm-hmm. is going to be hard work because you're ultimately going to be doing two full-time jobs mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. any thoughts Kristen? Um, I went back to work part-time at nine months, which is after my twins, which is not the same as what you all are dealing with, but I think it was just a matter of figuring out who would I want my kids to be with, and is it eat, like logistically where we lived, it was didn't make sense to do a lot of other things, but we found, I had a friend who um, was a husband was in seminary too, and so she came and brought her baby, and you know, so that worked for us, um, but I mean, you've already said it, I think just communication and really trial and error um, and a lot of patience with each other, husband, and um, a lot of prayer. You know, pray that your baby will be sleeping through the night and that <laughs> all those good things. Is there anybody else in the room that's planning on going back to work? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you guys look at each other because yeah. you may have a little community here where you could exchange some phone numbers and be like, okay, I need, you know, what are you doing here? How's this working for y'all? And y'all can get ideas from one another. Mm-hmm. Sarah, how many, like, is it a lot of women that come through Square one that do go back to work. Well, and just like Kyle said, you know, the place to cheat is to cheat work. So you need to figure out: Do you have a job, a job that there is some flexibility? I know that um, last time when Kyle gave the talk, he gave some more examples because we had a little bit more time about, you know, he was talking more towards the husbands because they're the ones that typically are, are still working. But it would work for husbands and wives. Go to your work and figure out: Is there any flex time? that you guys, you don't know without asking, 
So is there any kind of flex time that you could somehow utilize that you're not both working at the exact same time? You know, can you kind of kind of shift a little bit? Um, Debbie Ahmed is the one that went through square one and she went back to work. So I know that she would gladly talk to any of you guys as well and kind of give her kind of two cents on what made it work for them. So if you want to find me afterwards, I can, um, or email me. That would probably be easiest. Email me. We'll see how many people might want some information from her. Maybe she could even just write up a kind of tips and tricks that I could email out or something like that. So just email me if you're interested in, in that. Okay. We um, are running short on time, so we have yeah. to wrap it up. But I think that there's probably a ton more questions out mm -hmm. there, if you're being honest, and maybe you don't even want to ask yours out loud. Um, we're going to be here yep. through Lent, or maybe you're leaving. I'm not sure. Okay, Kristen, poor Kristen's doing soccer and... Um, One more soccer game. But I, I know um, Sheila and I and Kristen for a little while will be eating lunch with you. We're in this room. We would love to talk to you. That's why we're here. We wouldn't have given up our Saturday if we didn't care about you and your new adventure as a mommy. So yep. if you need to talk to us about anything, feel free. We're going to wrap up with two things real quick. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Psalm 16, 5 and 6. Um, we're going to wrap up by just telling you yep. our hardest thing about being a mommy, mm -hmm. the funnest thing about being a mommy. We were going to say easiest, and then we were like, there's really not anything easy about being a mom. <laughs> How about just the most fun thing? Uh -huh. um, and then kind of final just our overall wish I had known mm -hmm. fill in the blank. So start Sheila. Sure. Um, so the hardest part for me was being weary and exhausted. Um, just like Kristen, I had a colicky baby and um, if you guys end up having that, um, you can make it through, but it is tough. It is very tough. Um, and there's not a lot that you can do to help them until they just grow out of it. So that was my biggest thing. Um, my kind of Life first that I've loved since I was a child worked really great for me and it was Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Um, it's, um, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So I just grabbed, held, grabbed a hold of that when I was really tired. So that was my hardest. My easiest and most fun kind of goes back to Callie and Ryan's The New Normal. Right about the three-month mark, acid reflux and colic, almost like a light switch, goes away for most babies. And it did for us. So at three months, we took an 18-hour car ride to Florida. And we pulled over every three hours so I could nurse and we would find pretty grass and we would lay um, with so he could kind of kick and move and show him the flowers and the grass and just had a ball. We went to... Utah and went hiking so his first airplane ride was at three and a half months and my husband's a pilot so we travel a lot but for us that that was where Ryan and I were the strongest together is when we traveled so we brought Cade with us and we had lots of fun figuring out what that new normal was um, and then my final thought is whatever you go through it's because God has asked you to go through it so if you go through an easy normal natural childbirth and that's exactly what you wanted it's for a purpose and a reason. If you go through a hard childbirth, it's for a purpose and a reason. Everybody has a story that ultimately can help someone else. So if you have a colicky baby, God has a purpose and a reason for it. So hold on to the fact that he has equipped you to handle exactly what he gives you and to just rest in him. He will, will not give you anything that you cannot handle 
and that ultimately can't glorify him. So if he asks you to go through something tough, it's because he knows that you are perfectly equipped to handle it. Um, I think for me, um, I don't know, the easiest was, it was just a new bond with my husband, and so I thought that was just fun. Like we, again, like we had a common purpose, and not that we didn't for the two and a half years prior to that, but um, just kind of feeling like, okay, these two babies are ours, and oh my gosh, but um, <laughs> but we're in this together. Um, so it was just, I, we just had a great time once we got over the shock and the um, just the switch from no children no extra responsibility to two at once. Um, and then I think the same thing was just realizing that um, it's very surreal, just like God has given me these these little boys. And um, even though I, th- I think I'm, there's no way I'm the right person, he does. And um, so just, just kind of resting in um, just how sweet it is to be um, a mom and to have little lives that you get to love on and take care of and disciple and um wow it sounds funny to say that right now because right now discipling and disciplining are not the funnest parts of (laughs) having four boys but and then i think the hardest thing was um one having twins and two having one that was colicky um but then also just the same thing like it was just hard for me to believe that God knew what he was doing. Like, it was just really a trust issue. Like, what were you thinking that you gave us two at the same time and one that we thought would never sleep um, and that would wake up the other one or, you know, just all those little things. And um, and then, you know, he, he still thought we needed two more boys. So he still kind of go, still not quite sure what you're thinking, but I do, I ha- you know, I have, I love being a boy mom. I love running back and forth to soccer games and football games and, um, so the, I think that was just a huge realization. And then um, the other thing, and this kind of stunk, but I realized I had a huge issue with control um, and just wanting to be right and to be, um, I wanted everything to go the way I had planned it. And that doesn't happen with kids, not when they're little and not when they're big, you know, not when they're eight. So um, just like the expectations, um, and I mean, it, it took me to CR or regen, as we call it now, um, just, you know, allowing Scott to do what Scott wanted to do with the babies and knowing that he wasn't going to do anything that was going to hurt them, but it didn't have to go my way. The bag didn't have to be packed perfectly and the perfect meal put together and everything just neatly planned 48 hours in advance. It doesn't have to be like that. And and I think dads are, most of them are much more on the fly. We'll stop and get whatever we want and we'll have a good time. And that's, that's Scott's role in our relationship. Like he's the fun. I'm the planner. We wouldn't get anywhere without me, but it would be really boring without him. And so just figuring out, you know, what our gifts were and me letting go of a lot of things that, and I, I mean, that's still my struggle to this day. But um, now that I realize that I can step back sometimes. Sometimes. What was the other part? Mm-hmm. No, I, I think... Um, Loosen up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, and then I think um, two quick things. One is I had no clue how important sleep was, like that it it's a job. I mean, like Mandy said, I worked real hard to get my kids to sleep through the night at 12 weeks. Like I was not ready for how much work it took and what discipline it took and um, and that you still have no control over it no matter how hard you work. Um, and I think on a spiritual level, 
Um, you know, I always knew that marriage was sanctifying. We talk about in merge, pre-marry, and we talk about foundation groups. You know, your spouse is the mirror kind of to your, your weaknesses. But I think that having children is way more sanctifying. And probably not at the stage that you all are about to enter into, but probably about 18 months in when they can talk, they can talk back, they can repeat things they see, and they literally are, you know, you go, How did, why are you doing that? And you're like, oh, I think I do that. You know, like those things. And so I, I don't think that I was prepared for just how sanctifying it is um, being a parent. And my hardest thing, it really just has to do with my story and our testimony because I just barely got into being a mama before I got pregnant again. And then you're exhausted and sleeping and eating half the time. And before I knew it, I had two babies and one was in the hospital. And so my hardest part was just like, one, trusting, like, Lord, did you really seriously just give me like two babies at the same time and one of them's like really, really sick? Um, and just trusting and having that open hand of like, it's not really my kid. Like, you created this child. You've given them to me for a season. And we had to learn that really fast. Like, the fact that Caleb's in child care downstairs is a sheer miracle of God. It had nothing to do with how well I parented or what I, you know, what baby gear I chose to pick. Like, it, it, didn't, it didn't have to do with that. It was just simply that the child that you're holding right now isn't really your child either. And just me learning to, like, loosen up the grip and hold my kids loosely. And I just cling to the phrase of, um, of or the realization of, like, um, well, I just lost my train of thought. See, there it goes. Four kids later. Um, I don't even, I don't know what I was trying to say. But um, nothing, this is it. Nothing is going to happen to my children or my child, child that you're holding. Nothing is going to happen to that child outside of the will of God. It's his kid. Mm-hmm. It's his baby. And by the grace of God, you get the opportunity to birth that child, raise that child, love that child. But it's not yours. Um, and so we, I, just, I just had to learn that the hard way of just, like, letting loose. Um, unfortunately, mine came in watching my baby go off on a stretcher to a surgery room and, real, like, watching it physically happen in front of me, like, gone. Um, so that was my hardest thing. My um, funnest thing, I poured through my old journals trying to prepare for today, trying to remember what it was like to be pregnant with my first baby and have my first baby. And I think it was just so fun to read back through and realize, like, just how fun it was to see. I wrote about the first time she smiled, Mm -hmm. you know, and how excited I was. The first time she walked, the first time she started clapping. Like, all those memories are just recorded. And now, you know, I, I don't even know when Griffin smiled first, and I have no idea. <laughs> he clapped, and I was like, yeah, you clapped. Okay. Um, but that was so fun yeah. with the first baby. To Just all those milestones were so mm-hmm. fun for me to look back on. Um, and you have those, like, just around the corner for y'all. All those little memories are coming, so that's so fun. And my one takeaway, just to kind of wrap up our, our time together today, or this morning, is um, you've heard so much wisdom today from Kyle to the Nixons to the people on um, the panel. The thing that we want you to leave with is realizing that no one that stood on this stage today is Jesus Christ. And the ultimate wisdom only comes from him. Kind of like the Nixons talked about how when you become pregnant, everyone around you all of a sudden is this huge expert on everything. And they all have an opinion and they all feel the need to share it with you. Well, that is just beginning for you because then you'll have the baby and the same thing will happen the entire time. 
Um, it just happened to me the other day, and I just had to smile and nod at a lady. Like, uh-huh, okay, great. Um, some wisdom is good wisdom. Some wisdom is not asked for. Sometimes you just could really care less because you don't even know the cashier at Walmart and what she wants to tell you about how to raise your child. The thing is, is that um, in Isaiah 33, 6, it says, He will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, of wisdom, and of knowledge. And in the NIV, it actually says he is the storehouse of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. So if you are a believer in Christ, and you may not be, but if you have Jesus Christ in your life, then living inside of you, you have the storehouse of wisdom, salvation, and knowledge. He gave you this baby. He claimed you to be this baby's mother. And he wants you to go to him to find all the wisdom and guidance that you need. So you can take wisdom from other people. You can live in community and listen to what they say. But ultimately, we want you to be on your knees and to ask Jesus, what would you have me do with your child? What would you have me, how would you have me train them? How would you have me do, how would you have me to raise them? All those questions you can ask other people for their advice, but ultimately, we want you to go to Christ with it. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we would love to talk to you about that if you want to come find any of us at lunch.